Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, we have a lot of people that say they become believers, but they never become like Jesus. And that's because they never really became a believer. Matthew 7 says, many will say on that day, didn't we do this, this, and this, and this? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You never came under my influence. You did your own thing the whole time. You never even committed yourself to me. And the most difficult part of that whole statement is, depart from me. There are a lot of people who attend church. There are churches that boast attendance figures of 20 or even 30,000. Those are pretty impressive numbers. The logical question then to ask is, are these church attenders influencing their communities? If one were to look at the larger American society, the answer might be no. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for the Christ follower to commit their life totally to God. You'll learn what making this commitment means and the costs and the benefits that will accumulate to you as you walk this walk. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, Under His Influence, The Design. Remember, in the Old Testament, God the Father is mostly in view. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Mothers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Now, in between that, we have lots of wonderful men and women that were under the influence of God. Jacob and Joseph and certainly Moses. Joshua was an understudy of Moses. We go to Joshua chapter 1. And after the death of Moses, so Moses has died, the servant of the Lord... And the Lord said to Joshua, this is God the Father, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. Skip on down to verse 5. And Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Let me put a little preface in there. As long as you stay under my influence. And as I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God calls and he directs Joshua to take over the leadership of these two million plus Jews. Joshua had seen Moses most of his life come under the influence of God the Father. Joshua says, I'll do the same. And we know that much of his life, Joshua came under the influence of God. He obeyed him, God the Father. So in the Old Testament, and that's just two snapshots, in all the Old Testament, those 39 books, 
the third person of the Trinity is there a little bit. The Holy Spirit. From time to time, we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament comes on individuals temporarily and for a specific purpose. But he's not on all of the people. How about the second person of the Trinity? God the Son, Jesus. We do see a few appearances of Jesus called theophanies, where he comes and appears. But by and large, in the Old Testament, God the Father is in view. Now, as we move to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels, we have a different picture. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, God the Son, is the one that now is mostly in view. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Now, we do know in the Old Testament that God predicted he would send his Son to the earth. So God made this promise over and over again in prophecy. Well, why did God send his son to the earth? Two main reasons. One, to provide for our salvation. That's why we have the name Jesus up there. There's no other name under heaven where a man can be saved. Jesus lived a perfect life. When he came to this earth, remember, he lived as fully God and fully man. So he came to provide salvation for us. That's his main reason. But there was another reason. When you think about this today, and I said to you, let's relate to God. That's hard to get your hands around, isn't it? God, he's a spirit. How do I relate to God? God said, I know you're having a little trouble. And so he says, I'm going to send Jesus. And so he sent Jesus to show us what God was like in a man form. And Jesus would show us the character of God so we could understand that. Remember in Hebrews, says, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Well, we saw Jesus cry. I can relate to that. You mean God cries? Yeah. And so Jesus came for those reasons. Well, early on in this ministry, before he gets started, look at Mark chapter 1, go to verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was water baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Those of you that go to Israel with us will be baptizing you in the Jordan. Now look at verse 10. As Jesus, God the Son, was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and God the Spirit descending, we'll talk about this word later, on him, upon him like a dove. So in verse 10, we see God the Son and God the Spirit. We'll look at verse 11. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Who said that? See, Jesus isn't a ventriloquist. So we have in verse 11 who? God the Father. So what is that a perfect picture of? The Trinity. Right there's the Trinity. There's many others, but that's a perfect one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All one God with three unique persons. Now, you're right in the right chapter. Scoot on down to verse 16. 
Jesus came to this earth, really, if you want to say it, a third reason to get a group of people that he could train and leave to carry on his ministry. Initially, that was the 12 disciples. Look at verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Could Jesus have said this? Come under my influence. Could he? Sure he could. Same thing. See, come follow me. The word follow me in the original language means walk the same steps. Walk with me. And here's something I don't have time. This is extra points for you if you get it. When you get to heaven, you say, I got extra points for Pastor Mark. Here we go. (laughs) Notice the next part of this verse. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice he didn't say, I'll make you a Bible scholar. I'll gift you with a million things. You'll be a very mature believer. You'll be an awesome worship leader. You might even be a pastor. Now, what's he say to them? I'll make you fishers of men. The reason we want to come under his influence, because his priorities have to be our priorities. And what were the priorities of Jesus? Lost people matter to God. But we have too many Christians that are out going through the motions, just doing their things. They have no involvement with people outside. They're politically and whatever and just taking care of moi. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to fish you're going to be involved in the lives of unbelievers. We'll have more to say about that as we go through the series. Verse 18, what was their response? At once, they left their nets and followed him. That fits perfectly with the song we sang. I don't want to spend one more day doing my thing. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you. We don't want to leave this building and spend one more day with my priority. I want to come under his influence. Because when I come under his influence, there's purpose and meaning in my life. We'll learn there's always someone getting me sidetracked on all kinds of issues. Amazing in our lives. Now, this is the first calling of the disciples. Like God, Jesus is relational. He says, come and follow me. I'll teach you. I'll guide you. I'll correct you. I'll encourage you. I'll equip you. And for three years, not only the disciples, but many other people came under the influence of Jesus. That influence changed their lives to be and to think and to minister like Jesus. And people, when they saw them, knew they were changed. You see, we have a lot of people that say they become believers, but they never become like Jesus. And that's because they never really became a believer. Matthew 7 says, many will say on that day, didn't we do this, this, and this, and this? And Jesus will say to them, 
I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You never came under my influence. You did your own thing the whole time. You never even committed yourself to me. And the most difficult part of that whole statement is, depart from me. It's over. It's finished. It's too late to change. Now, the other morning I woke up early and I had to get up and write this down. It was for me, but you're going to get it. While Jesus lived on the earth, since he was our example as a man, did Jesus live under the influence of his father? Did he? How do we know that? Well, two things. Number one, Jesus would say this. I only do those things that their father told me to do. Let's challenge ourselves with that one. This last week, you do your thing or only the things that the father told you to do? Whew. That's challenging, isn't it? And second, one day Philip came to Jesus and he says, Hey, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, Hey, how long have you been with me, man? What's wrong with you? And then Jesus said to him this. You talk about Jesus being under the influence of the Father. Jesus said this. Philip, if you've seen me, finish it for me. Hmm. If I see you, do I see the Father? Well, maybe sometimes. Those are the good times, isn't it? You're never going to see always the Father or Jesus. But see, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. We have to come under his influence. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the person in view is is God the Son. Now quickly... Turn to John chapter 14. After Jesus goes to heaven, the rest of the New Testament, and right up to very time right today, the person in view is God the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. Go down to verse 16. One day, Jesus dropped a bomb on his disciples. He reminded them that he was going to the cross. But unlike what they thought... After the cross, after resurrection, he was going right back to heaven. The disciples are thinking, wait a minute. We've lived three years under your influence. It's changed our lives. Every morning when we get up, we didn't go out and say, Jesus, we're going this way today. We just came under your influence and followed your lead. Now you're telling us you're leaving and you're going to heaven? Notice what they're saying. Whose influence are we going to be under? We can't do this thing alone. We already learned that. So whose influence will we be under? Who is going to direct our lives? Here's Jesus' answer. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, I'll ask the Father. He will give you another counselor. That word another in the original language is alos, which means another of the very same kind. I'll give you another counselor to be with you. How long? How long is forever? Huh? In the original language, it means this. Listen, forever. 
Another counselor to be with you forever. Well, who in the world is he talking about? Verse 17. The Spirit capitalized the truth. God the Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But we'll talk about this later. You know him because he lives with you and he will be in you. And notice verse 18. Powerful. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You can say this in Balmer translation. Here it is. I will not leave you without someone to come under their influence. So Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you without help. God the Father is going to send another one just like me. Who is that going to be? It's going to be God, the Holy Spirit. So from the time that Jesus went back to heaven until right now, And then, let's see if you get it, for how long, who will we mostly come under the influence of? God, the Holy Spirit. To show you how intimate that is, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ, somebody came to live in your life. Notice this verse, it's 1 Corinthians. It simply says this, do you not know that you are the temple of? Of God. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're not a temple of God. You're the temple of Satan. I know you don't understand that, but that's very true. There's only two kingdoms. Kingdom of God and kingdom of Satan. But the moment I accept Jesus Christ, I become the temple of God. And don't you know that the Spirit of God dwells, that word dwells means takes residence, is at home in you. So today, if I'm a Christian... I'm under the influence of God, the Holy Spirit. He takes permanent residence. So you don't need to write this down, but just understand this next statement. Today, every Christ follower is to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? If I live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, there'll be a difference in my thoughts... My feelings, my words, my actions, and for sure, my lifestyle. People won't see me. Now, it's not like weird. Ooh, there goes Jesus. (laughs) We had too much of that weird junk. Jesus was a real man. He walked, but even children knew he was real. Let me challenge you. The problem we have in the church is too many Christians that aren't real. And the world looks at us and goes, forget it. I'm tired of phonies. Too many of them. Why should I do that? We have to be like Jesus. So that influence is not something weird that we dance around at church with. It changes me. All of me. I want you to think about this for a moment. If you're a Christ follower, then God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. The all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, the nothing-is-impossible God lives in you. That's amazing. And yet, very often during the week, I just walk out of his influence. Well, I'm going to solve this situation. Wait a minute. The God where nothing is impossible is inside going, hello, hello, hello. 
You say, well, how can I respond to that? How can I learn that? How can I take hold of that? Now, turn back to Acts 4, where you started. Let's see if you've learned anything. Remember the Jewish leaders? And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Remember now, Jesus left the earth. He was now in heaven. Whose influence at that very moment were Peter and John under? The Holy Spirit. Good job. Excellent. Whose influence should you be under today? The Holy Spirit. Now, notice this, though. It looked like the influence of Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was another helper just like Jesus. We know from the Bible a very important truth that the Holy Spirit, when he came, Jesus said he would never promote himself. See, when the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean we can't talk about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit never comes to promote himself. There's unity. There's not jealousy. Now, why would the Holy Spirit, it says when the Holy Spirit comes, he would always point people to Jesus. Why would the Holy Spirit always point people to Jesus? Because there's no other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved than the name Jesus. We don't get saved by the Holy Spirit. We get saved by Jesus. There's no jealousy. The Holy Spirit has come to take up residence in our life. And the moment you turn your life to him, he comes in. And I come under the influence, listen, of God. That's amazing. God lives in you. Now, here's the question. Does he? For some of you, you never turn your life over to God. You've never said, God, come into my life. Well, Pastor Mark, how do I get God in here? Very simply, listen, here's how. You say to God, I'm a sinner. What does that mean? That means that you've done life your way. Sin always separates from a holy God. Second, you say, I know that Jesus died on the cross for me. Third, you repent, which means you're sorry enough to change. You're sorry of walking your own way, and you come under the influence and the power of God. And then you invite him in, and you become the temple of God. And your life will never be the same. That's a mark that's too good to be true. You're exactly right. But it is. That's what grace is. I don't deserve it. None of us do. To this day, we don't. That's why God came. Because we couldn't fix it. But he did through his son, Jesus. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about how God's wanted to get his relationship with men and women back to how it was with Adam and Eve for some time. You heard how God dealt with specific men and women in the Old Testament. Still, God only dealt with a few people during that time. You learned today that Jesus came to show people God's character, reminding them how much God loves them. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, we've reached the end of Pastor Mark's teaching under his influence, The Design. Next time, he'll begin a new message called Under His Influence, The Battle. You'll hear about how the original relationship between God and mankind was broken. You'll find out about the causes of many of the problems you see around you today, as well as in your own life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.